Rapid City, South Dakota. We go behind the scenes of South Dakota Mines Athletics with interviews and exclusive access. This is Hard Rocker All Access. Good evening, everyone. We are again at Murphy's Pub and Grill in downtown Rapid City. This is our last Hard Rocker Coaches Show of the season. And, uh, Guys, it's hard to believe we started off first week of football, and here we are, end of February, the season's over, and uh, we've all survived. You've aged a lot, though, Tom, I think, it's, since then. Especially tonight. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple of years, just in the last hour, I think. Last 20 minutes. <laughs> well, Richard Anderson has joined us, as has Adam Thompson and Joe Stevens, the head track and cross-country coach at the South Dakota School of Mines, and uh, I've been uh, kind of laughing here because uh, we've had a little uh, memory, uh, what do you call it? Uh, loss, loss of memory. Loss of memory, <laughs> uh, that's the kind way of putting it. Um, We had a basketball player that played, as I'm finding out now, about 15, 16 years ago. Not the 25 years ago that I thought. And uh, the reason I bring that up is our guest for track and cross country is Jade Cass. And I'm, hey, I'm, I'm no spring chicken anymore. I realize that. But I mistook that Brent Cass, who played basketball here, I knew Brent well, he was playing on the basketball team, I thought was Jade's dad. And don't tell Brent that. He's listening, so. Oh, he is. Well, <laughs> then he understands. That's Tom. But anyway, uh, Jade is his younger brother. Right, Joe? What do you know about this? <laughs> Apparently nothing, but he knows a little more than you do. I <laughs> well, that's about anybody sitting in this uh, Murphy's Pub and Grill right now could probably qualify for that. Welcome, Joe, for another show. Pretty good uh, weekend, especially with Jade, but uh, how, how about the team? Yeah, I thought that the team did really well. Um, it's one of the best performances in, in school history. Um, you know, I'm a big team guy. You know, I'm proud of Jade for stepping up and and really being an athlete on the day, and, and that's what it takes to do really good in the multi-events, whether you're talking heptathlon, decathlon. Um, you know, he had a huge PR in almost every one of his events, but, um, you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, I want the team to do well as well. Um, you know, two weeks ago when we faced off some Division One opponents at South Dakota State, I told the team, I said, it's going to bring a lot of joy to me when we come away with a lot of PRs, and we did. We, you know, half the team set PRs in that competition, and, you know, fortunately, it set it up for getting some qualifiers for conference, and we went to conference, and I thought we did well. I thought our men performed well under the pressure. I thought there was some some really confident, decisive, aggressive decisions that resulted in, in good outcomes for us. Um, you know, came down to the 4 by 4 at the end of the meet, and we were three points ahead of Shadron uh, to hold on to a seventh-place spot there in the Armac, and... Um, like I say, that's that's a pretty good finish for where we've been in the, in the last five to ten years. And um, 
you know, I, I told the team, I said, you guys got to run well. You know, we have to run well in the 4x4, four four, and you want it to come down to the end. That's what makes sports exciting. And um, we, had a, we had an okay lead off, but we were a little bit behind. And then our two, three, and four legs really manned up and, and brought it home for us, and we were able to beat Shadron by one point in the team, team standings to, to concrete that position. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, on the men's side there, it was, it, was, it was a good team showing and long week because we had to leave it to, on Tuesday to beat the snow and uh, got down there and spent a couple days doing some pre, pre-meet competition and, and, and preparation, and it uh, led to some good stuff. Talk about a little bit about your guest here. Yeah, Jade is um, easily one of the more pleasant individuals to coach. Um, he's got a a calm, competitive, and confident attitude, and he's one of the I would say five to ten percent of student athletes have the ability psychologically. Not just the physiological talent, not just the hop in their legs or the speed or the athleticism. He's got those components, but frankly, there's a lot of people that have talent. The people that become champions are the ones that you can go to as a coach and say, hey, wake up. This is an opportunity. You can do this. And they wrap their head around that in a positive way, and they step forward, and they seize their moment in history. And that's what Jay does well. Um, you can you can treat him like a man, not a boy, and that's a that's a that's a refreshing thing for a coach to encounter. It's not a super common thing, I think, to encounter. Not just now, but ten or twenty years ago, it wasn't that common. So um, he's got a lot of maturity and ability to be tough and um, in situations when it when it counts. Um, you know, and it wasn't easy the workload that he was handling. You know, he's got seven events within the heptathlon to compete in, as well as the individual event and high jump and you know you can opt into coming in to high jump wherever you want. So you can start at six feet, which is a low bar and you can clear six, two and then six, four and then six, six, and then build your way up. Well, the high jump was the second on the second day and he won the high jump of the conference meet, but he came in at a high bar and which puts a lot of pressure on you. You only have three attempts at every bar and we were going to come in at two meters and you're coming in at around six, six feet, six inches that's, that's not an easy psychological thing because he's already ran other events on the day. He has four events from the heptathlon in his legs. He jumped six, nine and a half the day before. Um, and all these things are in the system. And, but he chose to make a, an aggressive decision and say, you know, I'm going to come in at a high bar. And when the pressure's on, the difference between a champion and an average competitor is the champion will make it. The champion will say there is no recourse but success. I have to do this, and that's just the standard I'm internally holding myself to, and that's what Jade does. Um, he's very, very good at that. He's very mature in those moments. Jade, talk about what influence did Brent have, your older brother, uh, on you coming to Mines? Um, I honestly started very young. I mean, Brent was 13 years older than me, so I can, from a very young age, I remember driving up here and watching him play basketball and stuff like that, so... Honestly, it was almost like there was no other choice. Like, coming out of high school, I got recruited lightly by some other teams, but I never really took anyone seriously but here. Like, it just, it was a given in my mind, I'd say. How come you're so much better looking than Brent? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, um, I love to brag to all my siblings that I'm the genetically perfect one, so I'll, I'll rub that in now, too. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about your, your competing last weekend, doing the heptathlon and then doing individual hot. So you have to jump twice, right? Yeah. Now, which did you jump the best in during the regular competition or the heptathlon? Uh, on paper-wise, identically. Um, honestly, I really can't pick a day. I'd say they're both very similar days. Like, yeah. I, like Coach said, I came in much higher in the open high. I mean, I had that confidence coming off the first day. I came in. I was a lot more conservative during the heptathlon high jump just because I'm looking for points. Yeah. Like, I really wasn't worried about setting a PR or anything. I was just like, I need to just keep climbing points. I need to keep uh, gaining on the other competitors that were better at me in other events. And high jump is where I can do that. Well, you set a record, a uh, school record in the heptathlon. Talk about it. And, and the, is it four events? Seven. Seven. Yeah, well, that was close. Um, <laughs> I probably could, wouldn't get through four events. But talk about that a little bit and some of the events. And what were some of your, well, obviously the high jump. But uh, what was one of those events where you obviously wouldn't be competing regular, you know, in the regular events? Um, honestly, other than high jump, before this weekend, I probably wouldn't be competing in any of them. Um, just because of the multi, I kind of get thrown a lot of things, and, like, I didn't run a great six. Like, I'm really not that fast. I'm really not great at everything, but I can hold my own in everything. So um, I'd say, like, the shot put I usually wouldn't compete in, but as a multi, I'm one of the better shot putters. And uh, after this weekend, I'll, I'm competing with the open pole vaulters, so just had a weekend, I'd say. I mean... Is there, uh, how long have you been doing the, all these multi-event things? Training for it for two years. Yeah. Uh, this was the fourth one I've ever done. Yeah. This is the first one I've ever gotten through without getting hurt, so. Well, that worked out good. <laughs> yes, it did. Jade, uh, when you were younger, like you said, growing up, what got you interested in track and then to compete in, in this event because not everybody can do that. Um, Did you play, let me ask you this. Did you play basketball, football, or any other sports, but what made this the priority? Uh, yeah, so I started playing basketball very young. I played football in like uh, junior high and high school. Then I did track junior high and high school. Um, I had I was really good in track or I was pretty good in track in high school so I just I enjoyed it I enjoyed the competition and what kind of got me interested in the multi events is uh, I didn't really do well focusing on one thing like it was I liked doing a bunch of different things and just like the workload like doing one event is wasn't enough workload for me if that makes sense like I liked like right now I love going to five or six different practices a week having two practices a day sometimes doing two different events like I just enjoy that I don't enjoy like nailing down on one thing super hard you have that same philosophy with homework <laughs> uh, I'd say yeah because I'm in 18 credits now and I've been 18 credits about the last four semesters wow. so wow Joe uh, Joe uh, to me, this seems like it was a pretty successful year. How do you feel? So year one in the program, my goals were 
I wanted to instill some good cultural aspects of increasing the expectations within the team on themselves. Um, I wanted to, for myself and our, my staff, have a good recruiting year. We haven't seen that come to fruition yet, but I know it's going to be phenomenal. Um, you know, get everybody healthy. I felt like from the distance runners to the throwers to the sprinters and hurdlers, I was inheriting a team that was full of good people and some talent, but half of them were hurt. I, it, I haven't crunched the numbers exactly, but right about half were hurt. And so that was my goal, was to get people healthy. And, and it's amazing when you let an athlete be an athlete and they're healthy, they can do some amazing things. And that's really Jade's story here is, you know, I've only got a year to work with him, but I could tell he had a lot of athleticism. And there's a lot of ability just sitting there that all you have to do is give him some consistency and get him to show up to the starting line without 10 nagging injuries, and he's going to blow up. And um, that's really my philosophy is it's in some ways probably better to be 3 or 4 or 5% undertrained than 1% overtrained. Um, so I, it's been a successful year. I, I, I'm always hungry for more. Um, you know, I'm always strategically looking to gain and grow, but it's been a real blessing so far. There's been a lot of things we're, we're getting better at, and it's going to set a tone for all the recruits we're going to bring in. You see what Jade has is, is done, and, and Travis is one of our also, he's one of our captains and, and a great multi-athlete. He scored in the heptathlon this, this indoor season for us. And, you know, what these guys are doing is, even though they're leaving the program and they're graduating, they're going to set a tone that here's the expectation for the School of Mines. Here's, here's South Dakota Mines. Here's what we can do in the RMAC, and we can qualify for the NCAA championships. I mean, Jade, Jade qualified for two events provisionally for the NCAA championships. I did the entries, uh, entries today, and that's a neat expectation. So I consider that to be the greatest success is the forward paving action that it does for the future generation. Well, Coach, when do you know when those uh, when he'll know if he can qualify for the the meet or not? Nationally? Yeah, we'll know Tuesday officially. Oh, tomorrow then, right? Okay. Well, if uh, if he goes, uh, you still work outside with the, with the uh, the outdoor team, then, right? Or yeah, I'm kind of a let's get tough and not complain kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so we'll put on some running tights and warm up inside and go out, but. Um, you know, Hayes in the barn, if we end up, we're fortunate enough, um, we're on the bubble to qualify to go to nationals. Um, things need to work out to make that happen. But, um, you know, if we do end up making it, we're not going to overtrain between here and there. We're just going to kind of ride the wave and, and go in healthy and strong and, and compete well. Um, you know, and if not, then we've accomplished a lot and done some amazing things. And we're going to have an amazing month of March training outside as much as possible. Um, and that'll lead to a great outdoor season. Jade, talk about, uh, I guess we never did ask you what you're majoring in and what your future plans would be once school is over. Uh, I'm an industrial engineering, engineering management major. Because um, of COVID, I have two years of eligibility left. Uh, I'm going to go on and get my master's in business. Um, that was kind of a last minute decision. Uh, but then after that, uh, right now I have an internship set up in uh, Montana in a coal mine as a safety engineer, and then I'll probably keep working in that field probably. 
tell, tell us about cast construction. Oh, uh, yeah. So started with my dad a long time ago, and uh, more recently, my brother, Brent, who went to school here, he, uh, he's yes, taken over. We're well aware of that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he's taken over and just kind of taken over the family business, and I spent a lot of time working for the two of them. So Brent actually is running the business right now? Yep. You better help him out. <laughs> no, Brent was very, uh, like I said, I, I'm still just a little stunned because, uh, you know, when you've been around as long as I have and all these athletes come and go and you see them come and you see them go and you, all the years seem to run together. And uh, this is probably one of the most misplaced eras that I've experienced in 40 years. I mean, I had no, I, I can't, I just can't fathom it's only been 15 or 16 years with Brent. Maybe I'm trying to forget him, I don't know, but no, it was uh, shocking to say the least to me. Well, if you go back and work for your brother with your uh, degree, you're going to have to demand a lot more money, right? Oh, yeah, and I'm sure I'll end up working with him or for him or something along those lines. And with him or for him? How about he may be working for you? <laughs> um, you don't have to answer that. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> Brent is very good at taking control, and like he's, he's a very good leader. That is something I wish I could emulate more of from my brother. No, he, he was a top-shelf young man when he was at Mines and really... Uh, I admired him a lot. He had a heck of a work ethic. And, uh, well, what's next for you, Joe? Well, right now we're in a little bit of a holding pattern to see, you know, where, you know, Aiden and Jade, where it lands with uh, the national championships. Uh, that's a little bit of a pause week. Um, and then we'll make a pivot and either swing for nationals or design things for the outdoor season. Um, and the, the month of March is, is the big, like I say, month to really work on doing bigger workouts and bigger elements of training. And, you know, for these athletes, the decathlon, you know, you're going to adding three events to that. And you have the, the discus and the 400 meters and the 60 moves to 100 meter dash. And there's some changes and you add the javelin throw in. And so it, it gets even harder. And so um, just keep keeping to continuing to work hard. Is, is the big goal from here forward. It's been great to have you this year, and uh, I think you've done a fine job. And Jade, thanks for setting the record straight with me. I appreciate it. Uh, look forward maybe to seeing both of you guys down the road. And uh, best wishes, Jade, best wishes. Hopefully you can get in there yeah. with that provisional. So. Thank well, you. One, one thing, though, once the uh, outdoor season, does that mean we've seen our last 60-degree weather now that you're going outside? So it'll be... Uh... You know, I think I'll knock on some wood right now yeah. and, and hope that that's not the case. It yeah. does seem to happen that when you anticipate a certain environmental condition, then the result is the opposite. And, uh, but I feel like the way we've trained... I've had these sprinters and jumpers and throwers outside more than they probably ever have in their history here. And so we're used to training outside in January and February. Yeah. You know what? I bring it on. <laughs> if, it's, if it's nasty weather, 
I think we're going to beat twice as many people because we're prepared for it and we're tougher. There you go. I like that attitude. <laughs> Joe Stevens, head track coach at South Dakota Mines, again, and, and, and Jade Cass. So thank you, guys. We'll turn our attention to basketball, and uh, I guess it's going to be men's basketball up next. Eric Glenn, and then, you know, one of our highest-rated programs this year was with Colton Mortensen as our guest. So with the ratings as high as they were for Colton's program before, we had to bring him back and boost those ratings once again. I would uh, welcome both of you guys. Hello. Returning guests, Colton. What did you learn from the first time you were on this program that's going to help you this time? Just got to be on my toes. Never know what's going to be asked. <laughs> yes, that's true. Eric, uh, not the way you wanted to finish the season, obviously, but kind of give us the coach's uh, synopsis of the season. Well, I think from the uh, point of where we started, uh, especially from an offensive standpoint to where we ended, I was really happy where this team went on the offensive side of the ball. You know, uh, when you look at, <clears throat> I like to always kind of just compare apples to apples as much as we can. And, and when you look at just in-conference games and stuff, um, we were able to kind of figure some things out in the pre-conference uh, and still not even have an ollie yet in those first four games that we played in conference. You know, we uh, ended up being, you know, in the top, so it was a top six. I think we were sixth in the league in scoring. Uh, we were top five, I think, in field goal percentage. We were number two in three-point field goal percentage, and I think we were we were number two or one in uh, field goals or three-point field goals made. So, all those are really important kind of benchmarks that we try to meet in our process. And uh, so, I was pretty happy with that side of it. Unfortunately, we were even Steven. on the other side. We were about the same, except the wrong direction on defense. And that's really uh, for us. That's that's got to be this what we've got to try to figure out for next year is uh, what we're going to do to become a better defensive team. Um, you know, obviously that sticks in my craw a little bit because I kind of like to think that we're more of a defensive-minded staff and, and program, and we kind of hang our hat on that end first. And sometimes I always thought maybe that was to a fault. Um, but, you know, now where we got the offense going where we like it, you know, we should be winning them a lot more games than we are. Uh, and we've got to get better, more stops at the end of the day. Can you put your finger on, because you've been a very solid defensive coach uh, for the years you've been at Mines, and is there anything in particular that you can point to that maybe didn't meet your standards for defense? Well, I think the, the first thing is just the fact of just being able to guard the ball um, is, is the number one thing. You know, and you got to give some credit, honestly, to our league. I, and I, I thought maybe it was just me feeling sorry for ourselves and trying to look for an excuse a little bit. But as I talk to more coaches in our league, I really think our league has taken a huge step forward this year. We've got some really darn good players in this league. And uh, so I think that maybe played a little bit of part in it. But we really had a tough time guarding some individual players this year. You know, starting with Moses out of New Mexico Highlands. I mean, I just don't know that I've had a season here as an assistant or as a head coach well, we've given up so many 30 and 40 point games to guys. And uh, that, that really doesn't sit well with us. And uh, so we've got to figure out a way to be able to guard those kind of players. Um, you know, we play Shattern. Shattern had the Latimer kid, and he, you know, he torched us twice 
both times. And we just could never find out how, what to do to stop him. So, you know, maybe we've got to try to find a better guy that can, that's a more of a defensive guy that can guard those kind of players. Um, and we, maybe we just got to kind of figure out better schemes for us as well. But you've always, your history has been a, one of the big things for your teams defensively. You've always been able to take the other team's top score, for the most part, yeah. out of the game. And I think we did do that quite a bit still this year. Um, you know, actually going into the shadow games, the Latimer kid wasn't the leading scorer. <laughs> so, uh, but he really came on at the end of the year and is probably, as you found out, he's probably their most complete player that they have. And he's a, he's a new player, and, you know, I think he just finally started feeling comfortable there and stuff. Um, but, yeah, you know, normally we do, we are able to do that. And, and sometimes, you know, and we've already, Coach Trenopol and I have already started talking about this because we started looking at some games. Maybe sometimes we'd, we try to do that almost, again, to a fault of putting so much emphasis on taking the team's top scorer out. And maybe that's not the guy that's really the difference maker of getting them at 65 and not letting them get to 75 or 80. And, uh, you know, a good example of that is, you know, we were looking at the box score of the Colorado Mines-Fort Lewis game. You know, Colorado Mines goes down to Fort Lewis and beats them and only has two guys scoring double figures and holds Fort Lewis to 65 points on their home floor, which is a heck of an accomplishment. But Akil Cott still had 24. Boatwright had 14. Mays had, still had 10. They still had four guys in double figures, but the guy that they shut down was Stafford, and that was a guy that hurt us and has hurt other teams, hurt Black Hills even. Um, and, but they held him to a goose egg. And I think that, that they really focused on him and felt like, hey, that's a guy that we can, that we can stop. We can't stop a cot, but we can stop him, you know, if we just keep. And I think maybe they kind of went into that mindset of, hey, cot's going to get his. Just don't let him get double his, you know. But let it, he'll get his, but let's shut this other guy down. So I think maybe those are some things within our game prep we got to look at. You know, there's going to be a lot of searching, soul searching that way. Um, but again, we're going to try to find hopefully maybe some guys too that can help us become better defensive team as well. Well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, everybody can kind of look back and say, boy, if we've got this game, we got that game. And it came down to you probably needed two more wins. Um, and, you know, you lost a lot of uh, really good close games with some good teams. But, you know, when it comes down to winning and losing, that's. That's who moves on to the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, we lost two games on the road with uh, that we probably, you know, we're expected to win. You know, nothing's given, but you're expected to win the Western State at Western and the Colorado Christian game that we finished at the end of the year. So, you know, those are games that you, if, if you're going to be a playoff team, you got to win those kind of games. Um, and then, like you said, then we had some others that we just give away uh, against really good teams. You know, we had UCCS here, yeah. basically beat, and we let them off the hook. Um, we were fortunate to go down to their place, at least get, continue to get the split and beat them at their place. So that was really good. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a couple of, you know, both times we play Shattering, you know, we had double-digit leads against Shattering. Um, who am I missing? We were talking about this just a minute ago. Uh, and Highlands, Highlands was a one-possession game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely some opportunities there where if we just get, the, get that stop that we needed, uh, you know, then we maybe not even think about making playoffs. I think we end up with a pretty good seed, quite yeah. honestly. So, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of ifs and buts there, um, which doesn't really make it sit real well with you. Yeah. Um, Coach, 
four teams in the RMAC rank top 25 in the country. Will that m- maybe make you know South Dakota Mines, Hard Rockers, maybe a little bit more competitive, especially next year? Because obviously Black Hill State, very good. Colorado Mines, always been a good program. Same with Mesa this year and uh, Fort Lewis, which I think was the biggest shocker for everybody. Well, yeah, I think, you know, a couple of, you know, Shattern had made a huge step. I mean, they were coming from, what, were they 15th last year, I think, or uh, 14th last year? And to make go up to fifth in one year's time, that's a heck of a jump. Um, like I said, I just really think that our conference overall, talent level has really gone up mm-hmm. in, a, in one year's time. Uh, and I think another part, a big part of it was this year is that you had a lot of teams with those super seniors still. We're still dealing with what COVID has a, had an effect on there. You know, Colorado Mines had, what, five super seniors. Um, Fort Lewis has four or five super seniors. Black Hills has three or four, uh, four, four super seniors. So, you know, we had one right here in this guy. Um, so I think that had a factor into it. You know, it's still experience, and, and that extra year does play a big factor into that. But there's also some new players that came into this league that are just really good players. And I think that really increased the level of play in our league. And I think those are things that are going to help us. I mean, I think they made us better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that we still, every week, we got better as a team. But unfortunately, the, you know, the, the league is just really good, and we just can't, you know, come up short in some games. So uh, that's just part of it. we got to figure out you know, where that talent level is. we got to continue to keep recruiting better. Um, I think our talent keeps getting better in our recruiting. And so, you know, we've just got to continue to hit that. And then the guys that we have, we've always taken great pride in developing guys. And, you know, we're not a big transfer school. Uh, a lot of it has to do with our way our academics are. But we do get a few transfers, but most of our guys are four- or five-year guys. And we put a lot of emphasis and, and, and pride in the fact that we can develop guys. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, can be very productive for us. And I think you saw that in Trace Olson this year, you know, that he was a really good, solid player for us off the bench this year. Colton, talk about your career at Mines. What memories kind of stand out to you, particular games or just your whole experience in the Hard Rocker program? I mean, I've had a great experience here. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to come here. Um, uh, experiences here, I mean, just the locker rooms I've been a part of, the guys on the teams, just amazing relationships that I've been able to build. Um, it's just high-class people who are involved um, with the coaches as well. Uh, I think basketball-wise, um, a couple of stand out is I hit the game winner against Shatter my first year here, which I remember that was the only game winner I've ever hit, so <laughs> I was happy with that. Um, yeah, I think just, um, I don't know, just as general, basketball has just right. been a great experience. Um, I love being a part of this and being a part of the school. More than just basketball, School of Mines is just a great place um, to be a part of, the brotherhood you kind of build with the people around. And, I mean, if you see anybody else who's been to School of Mines, it's just like, you know, there's some kind of connection there, right? So, Give us now, put on a different hat for us. Now you're an analyst and a commentator. Look at the RMAC playoffs. Who do you like? Who do I like? To make, maybe make that final championship game. <laughs> well, I may, I may be a little biased because, you know, there's some teams I can't root for, you know. I understand. <laughs> um, who's even there? I mean, I always, I always got to support my home state, Westminster. <laughs> got to support them. 
I know a few guys on the team. and I'm asking <laughs> you to think now with your head and not your heart. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Fort Lewis has a really good team this year. Uh, I think if they play how they have been playing, um, they have a really good shot as well as, I mean, those top four are all really close together. I think um, Mesa, school like Colorado Mines, they're all, all really good teams that um, just kind of depends on any given night how they show up and how they play. You sound like a coach to me. <laughs> you sound like a coach you walk in the political line. Eric, you have any thoughts in the playoffs? Well, you know, obviously the, that home court advantage is so huge in college basketball. And that's why that number one seed is so big, um, which is honestly is why I don't like our conference playoffs. I feel like the, a conference tournament is supposed to be a neutral uh, site sit, uh, deal. So I don't mind the first round being on home sites, but I think when you get to eight teams, I think it should be let's let's go to a neutral site and take out all the advantages and really see at, at this time of year who can really prepare and everybody's seeing each other and let's let's see who can be the best for that given night. Isn't that um, what the but I think that. Uh, Fort Lewis, of all the teams, has the best shot of winning on the road. Um, although, though, I'll tell you what, um, you know, Colorado Mines did win at Mesa earlier this year quite convincingly. And uh, their inside game really affected Mesa. Because, uh, you know, Mesa is a, is a very, what you'd call a positionless team. They don't have a true post. Um, after, you know, Baskin, who's not really a thick player, but he is long, for their for their basically their post player, um, their next biggest guy is only about six five six five and a half. Um, he's thick and he's big and strong, but he's not very tall. And the length of Mines could really affect them. And I feel like if Mines and Fort Lewis were to meet in the championship, um, that could be a neutral site court game. But I definitely think I don't know that Mines could do that to Fort Lewis again a second time. Um, Fort Lewis's uh, interior defense is really good. Uh, I didn't think it was very good. I got to see a little bit of it Saturday night. I didn't think it, they played as well as they had been playing. And uh, I just don't see a, a Bob Petrick team playing like that again. Well, I agree with that, you know, that neutral site. But go for Las Vegas. I think we should go to Las Vegas and play that. I, I would you know, be fine with that. You know, we're you know. just, I, you know, I, we're, I keep kind of throwing out there in our coaches' meetings, I just want to see in Denver. Um, you know, obviously we got to get in the playoffs, but, you know, when we get in the playoffs, we have tremendous support in Denver. Mm -hmm. um, our alumni is just fantastic. There's been times we've gone to Colorado Mines and played, and we've had a better crowd than Colorado Mines has there. Uh, we go to Regis. We have a great fan base there. You know, we go to Metro. All those, all those Denver schools we go, we have a tremendous turnout. And uh, so, you know, it, we're just really grateful of that up but he's as colton said you know there's something special about this school that the connection lives on past your years with when you gone here and and the people have that you know you usually see that in power five schools or the big division ones where people are just show that pride but south Dakota mines pe alumni really show that pride once they've graduated and left here well, what I'm saying is I would rather go to Vegas. Well, you would. I understand that. I understand <laughs> that. There's Central City. You could run up the hill to the Central City. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not quite well, the same. Well, couldn't Brevin Walter arrange things for us in Vegas? Well, he should. Yeah, he probably got connections there. He probably could do that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Eric, for every week that you've been around. Colton, yep. you're kind of the number one star with two guest appearances 
on this program, our highest rated programs that you've been on. <laughs> so it's been a great, it, you've had a fine career. It's great to get to know you a little bit. Eric, we've known you too long, so we'll just, we'll skip that. Yes. Well, Thanks. appreciate everything, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully next year we can kind of turn this thing around and, you know, like I said, we, were, we weren't far off. We were kind of even Steven. We were minus 1.8 in point differential this year in conference play. And so that's, that's right on the fence there. We just got to get tilted to the right direction. Thank you again, both of you. So, yes, thank you. Thanks. Richard, uh, did we have Players of the Week? We do. Let me find them on the old telephone. Okay. So our Athletes of the Week uh, for this week are Jade Cass, who we just talked to, and J.C. Stubbs from the track and field team for their performances at the RMAC Championships. Jade's set, uh, tied a school record in the high jump on his way to winning the RMAC, clearing the bar at 2.07 meters. He also set a school record in the heptathlon, finishing second with 4,939 points. He was also named the male co-athlete of the meet for his performances. JC set a school record for the third time this season in the indoor shot put, this time throwing at 13.48 meters. Overall, she was fifth in the event. Thank you, Richard. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Tom. How are you tonight? Good, how are you? Could you do something for me? Sure. Would you get these winning streaks a little bit earlier in the season for us? <laughs> you know, I think I would like that too. Okay, well then we're both I would like on that the too. Yeah, we're on same, the same page. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, you had to be pleased, not with the season, but the way the team did progress and the end of the season with three straight wins. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we struggled with was consistency. Um, you know, whether it's youth or whether it's just finding new roles this year. Um, with some of the players that graduated last year. And so we didn't always have consistent scoring. Um, you know, we did from, you know, Piper Bauer, but, you know, one player doesn't make a team. Um, and all the successful teams I've been part of, there's been at least three players in double figures every game. And we just, we struggled having that consistency throughout the season. And, um, you know, the, the last couple weeks we had that. Um, and it really really showed in the, the results column um, that when, when you have balanced scoring and um, things like that, it, it tends to work out in your favor at the end a little bit. And sometimes I think it's fair to say that you had the same issue on defense. Sometimes you weren't quite as consistent as you wanted to be on the defensive side of the floor. Yes, and, you know, we, we do a lot of scheming. Um, you know, that's how kind of I was brought up through the coaching ranks is, um, scheming against what teams do and you try to take away their strengths and um, you know we were we struggled being consistent with that sometimes too of not letting players do what they want to do um, and you know we we definitely gave up way too many points uh, this season and that's something that we're going to be working on a lot in the off season um, to try to try to improve in that area. The one thing you were consistent on from the first game of the year to the end was your rebounding. Yes, and that's that's one of the things, you know, that we've we've taken a lot of pride in ever since our first year here when we had, you know, Anna Haugen and Molly McCabe, and um, we were one of the top rebounding teams in the conference, and so that's something that we've tried to really instill and um, carry over every year, and, 
you know, we really just emphasize that that's all about heart. Um, and we've, we've recruited some kids that, you know, were really great rebounders in high school and they've been able to translate that. And now it's, now it's applying, you know, defense and offense as well. Well, coach, you're, you know, you talk about Piper being able to, you know, she gets those three pointers, uh, who else really stepped up for you that that brought that more consistent? You know, when you had uh, you know multiple uh, uh, double figure scores like that. Uh, Madeline Heiser was one of them that comes to mind. Um, you know, she was a lot more consistent, finding the bottom of the net, um, kind of down the stretch, um, having Naomi Hidalgo back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was out for quite a few games, and having her back and her presence in the paint and. Um, scoring and then Bailey Johnson was huge in the last few weeks of really getting to the rim for us Um, you know and with her getting to the rim she got to the free throw line a lot and made a lot of free throws and um, then hit some threes for us so those those three um, you know really helped out a lot with the scoring Um, and then in other games you know we've had our our youth step up and we had some different scoring from some of our younger players throughout the year and um, you know that's something that we're going to be looking to them a lot more next year um, now that they're more comfortable with college basketball and the pace of the game and you know kind of their role and the expectation that we have of them to score the ball well yeah those young players obviously are going to be you only lose the Bailey is the only loss for next year so you got you know almost all your team back what uh, from now until next season what do they have to do to you know, not be young players anymore. They got that year in, and that certainly helps. But what do they have to do, you know, in the off season to uh, see that improvement? I think having a year of just experience at the college level under their belt is going to help a lot. Um, you know, one of the things we struggled with is I told one of our players, I won't say who it was, but I told her, you've got to look to score for us. Well, and she said, well, I don't want to miss. Um, so we're working on the fact that you don't get to play perfect basketball when you're in college and that you're going to miss some, but we need you to take shots because you make a lot more than you miss. Um, you know, and she, she had a good percentage, and she's, she's a threat for us for all three, all three levels, and we have a couple players that are like that that, you know, it's, it's more of a growth up, up here um, more than anything of, you know, you're going to miss some shots, but you got to take them. Well, uh, I suppose recruiting is uh, number one on you right now. What, what, how is that going right now? And then what, what areas are you recruiting? Uh, are you recruiting one area in particular, or how, how are you looking at things? Um, we've got one player committed already. We committed her early in the fall, um, Samantha Darnell. She's from Windsor, Colorado, plays for Windsor High School. Um, you know, and she's a feisty little defender. Um, defender, driver, um, you know, when we were looking as to who we were losing this year, it was Bailey, and that was one of her big roles for us. And so that was one of our main priorities. Um, And then kind of just going out and seeing if we can find, you know, you can never have too many point guards. Um, And so looking for a point guard, um, looking for some more posts. um, Obviously this year with a few injuries, we got really thin in the post area, and we only had a couple players. Um, And so, you know, we're, we're both... Um, Coach Cybrant and myself are getting out on the road on Wednesday and heading to state tournaments. And, yeah. um, you know, we've got state tournaments this weekend, state tournaments next weekend. So it's, while season may have winded down and ended, it's just kind of ramping up for us. And we'll be out traveling a lot and looking to find some future hard rockers. How wide is, how wide of a scope is your recruiting area? I mean, you go 
coast to coast, border to border, or is there a certain area that you are comfortable with and, and that's what you recruit? Well, with females, they don't normally like to go too far from home. Um, a lot of the players we recruit are very family-oriented um, and don't want to be too far away. But we've had success, um, you know, with a couple players from Texas. It's a direct flight um, from Dallas up to here. Um, I'm really familiar with Washington um, just because of all my time at Idaho. Um, you know, and then Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, basically all the regional kind of just in our region Anywhere that's within a day's drive is usually, you know, kind of where we're looking and where we're comfortable with. And, um, you know, also players that, depending on where the RMAC schools are, you're always playing an RMAC school in either Utah, you know, um, Colorado, even in Chadron, you know, down in Nebraska. So all of those, all of those areas are kind of where we look and target. When you look at the final standings in the RMAC, did anything surprise you? Um, not necessarily. Um, I would say maybe the only surprise, and I don't mean this in any kind of like negative connotation would be Adam state just because of where they finished last year. But Mario has done a phenomenal job of, um, getting his, getting his young players. Um, I would say he is out of those, those schools. He's the only um, team that they don't have a bunch of veteran players. Um, They've got, you know, a couple, a couple twins that have been there for quite a few years. But other than that, they're pretty young. Um, and so I'd say, I would say that's the only one that's really a surprise. The rest of the schools either have, you know, the super seniors or seniors who've been playing for four years. Um, and they've got all that veteran experience. I'm going to ask you a question. I've been around long enough to know I'm not going to get an answer for it. <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there any team that you particularly think should be the favorite going into the tournament? Well, you're right. Um, I won't <laughs> give you a specific team, but I will say, you know, that our conference is very competitive. In any given night, um, any team can really compete. And, you know, it's kind of a – there's clusters in different areas of these standings, and um, it's, it's going to be interesting tomorrow night, um, you know. Mike and I have been talking about, well, who do you think? Well, who do you think? Um, and so it'll, it'll really, we'll really see. Um, you know, Colorado Mesa has been really putting things together as of late, and they really finished the season strong. And so they're kind of a, um, a dark horse. Um, CSU Pueblo has probably some of the most talented players. Um, and so if they um, come ready to play tomorrow night, they might be able to upset upset some teams and so it'll like I said it'll just be interesting to see who who puts it all together and who's ready to go tomorrow night that sounded like coach talked to me <laughs> well she did a good job though. yes she it did was, a good job you kind of camouflaged it in a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well with this tournament uh, what is the experience the more important than maybe a team that's playing a little better going into the tournaments, kind of a hot team. Maybe they don't have the experience. Uh, a younger team that just, just kind of got hot at the end of the year. What's usually the uh, the key to the success in a tournament like this? If it was at a neutral site, I would say experience would play a part. Yeah. Um, but honestly, when we went to both of our playoff games, it felt like kind of just another game. Um, and so I think um, it's really what whatever you try to make of it, um, and so I don't really think experience will play too much into it. I think it's just going to be, you know, if, if a team has been really rolling, I think they can keep that going. Yeah. Um, 
because like I said, it, it kind of just is an ex- extension of season, which is why I would really love it, echoing Coach Glenn's sentiments of at a neutral site that makes it really feel like a playoff experience. Yeah, Las think, Vegas, yeah. Las Vegas. <laughs> That's where I want it. I think the Northern Sun plays first-round games on the higher seeds court. Then they go to one site for the remaining two days. Is that what you would like to see? Yes, I think okay. that would be that would be very doable and feasible. And you know, the, I think the Northern Sun does a great job of um, student athlete experience of really experiencing the postseason play. Mm-hmm. You in, know, and, in Las Vegas, of course. That's yeah. I mean, I also will echo Coach Glenn with Denver is perfect for us. Yeah. You know, yeah. even for our CCU game, we had six alumni come watch. We had our, our commit who is going to be a freshman for us next year, plus all of their families. Um, and so it's kind of fun when we go to Denver. We usually have kind of a home court advantage with fans. I know I always laugh at the CCU game. The men show up to our game and they have nowhere to sit because our entire section is filled with all of our fans. So I would love it as a, a neutral site somewhere there. Well, one more thing. How does it – the conference champion goes to the – district or the uh, tournament. Is that played in one side? I believe so. That's what I was thinking. I believe so. It's been kind of goofy just the last couple years because of COVID. Um, And a lot of times we're getting better in in our region, but in the past, um, if you made the tournament, you usually played another RMAC school for the first round game based on money. Um, and so it's gotten a little bit better. You know, last year, all of the RMAC teams played um, a Lone Star team in the first round, which was nice to see because then you don't eliminate each other. Jerry, thank you. All season. Yeah, Appreciate you coming in and uh, wishing you a good off season and uh, looking forward to next season. And we'll have to have those playoff games, huh? Yes. Wouldn't that Agreed. be nice? In fact, why don't we have a playoff game at home? That's I not know. asking too much. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm on board with that, too. We'll write it down. It's, it's in the book. <laughs> yep. Thank you very yep. much. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Jerry Jacobson-Owsley, the head coach of the South Dakota Mines Hard Rocker Women. Well, gentlemen, we're at Murphy's Pub and Grill. It's been a great joy to be here all year. Our final report on our menu items tonight. What did we order at Murphy's? Richard? See, I had the uh, one-third pound uh, burger. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it was called something, but uh, it was a third of a pound, so that's it was very good. There was none left. There was none left, no. Adam? I had to revert back to the Dakota pulled pork with that watermelon jalapeno barbecue sauce. And for the second straight week, I decided to go with the fish and chips, and it, it was so delicious. Murphy's is located in downtown Rapid City. We're very happy they uh, sponsored our coaches show on uh, KOTA throughout the year. It's a great venue if you're going to take the wife out on a date night or maybe it's not your wife and you're going to go out on a date night or something like that. Uh, Whoops, what did I say there? I'm not sure. (laughs) Maybe we can edit that out. It's it's a fun place to come. The atmosphere is great. You can have groups. They have a back room if you have a group that you want to bring in or uh, plenty of tables, plenty of space, and a very fun atmosphere here at Murphy's Pub and Grill, downtown Rapid City, and a big thank you go to Murphy's. 
What are you going to eat next Monday? You won't be able to come down here and eat. Why can't I come down here and eat? Well, you can, no, but I mean as far as... Uh, in fact, you don't know about it, but we're all coming down here next Monday. We're going to set up the table just like normal and yeah. just have a practice show. <laughs> there we go. Well, we should just do that anyway. I'm uh, <laughs> not sure we, we can talk a little spring football maybe or something like that, some track and field. Well, let's talk Armac playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. Any uh, predictions? Well, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, a couple weeks ago, I would have probably predicted Black Hill State, but... You know, and the men, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything going on where they're just not playing as well, or did they just lose to uh, some good teams? You know, I mean, obviously, Fort Lewis was a good team. You know, they were kind of upset by Shadron State last week, too, but uh, I think Shadron State is one of those teams that's playing really well. You know, I mean, they're, they're that good, too. So I don't know. I think it's whoever... Uh, Whoever goes in probably uh, playing their best basketball, and that's what you've got to do because, uh, you know, it's obviously that's what, it's what the Yellow Jackets did last year. They were just playing their best basketball of the year, and it, and it took them to, the, you know, the semifinals of the national tournament. Um, I mean, the biggest surprise was that Colorado Mesa actually was seated first place in, in the regular season. And that was, you know, due, due to Fort Lewis uh, beating Black Hill State twice. And then You're Fort, talking now the men's. The men, on the men's side. Uh, Colorado Mesa being on top in the men's is really surprising because they were in fourth place in the first half of the season. And then Colorado Mines slipped a little bit, and Colorado Mesa was able to get back up there. Um, and, and we've only seen them once this year, and they were a very good team. It's a team full of sophomores, um, so that's they're going to be a very good team in the next in the coming years anyway. So Colorado Mesa probably, in my best bet in the men's side, probably a favorite. Um, I would also put in Fort Lewis as well. But you can't count out Black Hill State. Black, Black Hill State's been in this position before. They obviously want to go back to the national tournament um, after losing in the Final Four last year. And I, I, it's going to be – this week is going to be a fun week to watch RMAC basketball. Well, I think in the women's conference, you've got those top six teams are really pretty good. Mm -hmm. The top three teams, four teams are really, really good. I think there's a big drop-off between the teams that are in the playoffs and the teams that aren't in the playoffs. But uh, home court is so, you know, important. And I think there you've got uh, Colorado Mines and Regis. If they win their first-round playoff games, they've got another playoff game at home where Black Hills would have to go on the road. But I think Black Hills, after their experience last year, you can't count them out of anything this year. As far as the men's go, um, that's, you know, I think Black Hills is just sitting there. But the team I want to mention one more time, and uh, I think is going to be a scary team to play on the men's side is Shadron State. Yep. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, they they got some they got some guys that can score, as uh, as the Hard Rockers found out last week. And if they're hot, man, if you're hot, you're hot, and uh, I can take you a long way. And that'll I th- I don't expect any any uh, team to overlook them because I think they know that this this is a team that could beat anybody. So I don't think they're going to go in there and just say, 
well, that's just shattered in state. You know, it's a, it's a piece of cake. I think that I think they've they've earned that uh, respect this year, especially this last week or so. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them. I think what's interesting to you know, I don't know the the official thing, the champion. You know, uh, the top two teams. Well, could the the Armac send three teams to the the district tournament? I'm not sure if they can only do two or not. I'd have to look it up. But there's about three teams there that could easily go. They might get second or third if that's the case and then go down there and uh, win that district tournament. Well, Shadron State's going to play Colorado Mines first round. And if you're somebody who's looking at that game on paper, you don't know who you're taking because those teams are pretty evenly matched, I think. And Colorado Mines, you know, even though they beat Fort Lewis at Fort Lewis, they struggled. They struggled at the tail end of the season, and they they fell down to fourth, and and they were in, dropping in the top twenty five standings. And Shadron State is somebody, as the Colorado State University Pueblo commentator said on their broadcast when they were playing Shadron, is that Shadron? You don't want to play Shadron first round of the playoffs because they could potentially ruin your season. Well, I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm just going to pick the two winners in each tournament. I think Fort Lewis. He's going to come through and take the men's side. Mm-hmm. I think, like Eric Glenn said, they they really play great defense. They don't seem to be intimidated going on the road, and I just think Fort Lewis can win it, especially having the home court for three playoff games if they need it. On the women's side, it's a little more uh, complicated because you've got literally five teams that could really have a chance at it. I think... Uh, I don't think Westminster is going to get into the semifinals, so that leaves the four top teams who I think will make it. And out of those four top teams, I'm going to go with Colorado Mines. With the women, yeah, I, I can I can see that easily. I think they they seem to just have a little more experience. They've got they got some really experienced players, and you know, obviously Regis does too, and they've had a great year, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got a feeling you, you might see mines. Um, I'm going to go out on the lemons and, and, uh, for the men and, and go back to Black Hill State. I mean, they've, they've lost a couple games where I'm sure really kind of ticked them off this last week. Are you wearing your uh, yellow jacket underwear? <laughs> I am not, and I don't have any. But, you know, man, I... I, 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 I agree. I, I, I can see I, that. I really respect Coach uh, Thompson. I, I think he's as good a coach as you're going to see in the country. And I do, too. I think they're going to be ready. You know, I don't want to say any Go. I already said that. I was going on the limb, but because uh, you never know what's going to happen in the first-round games. It, well, you know. they went through it last year. Yeah. And they did very well. And uh, I just think not having that home court as they did last year in the mm-hmm. – They have done very well – on the road, though, and under Coach Thompson yeah. um, in the previous tournaments. So I don't think, I don't think that's going to be that big of a question, uh, question mark. Uh, they, play, they played well on the road this year. Um, you know, I just got a feeling that they've been there and done that. And, and they, you know, they've got some better players this year, too. For the women, um, I'm actually going to pick the number one seed, Regis. I mean, you don't get to the number one seed just by luck. You have to earn that. 
Um, they obviously earned that to get it, so I'm going to go with Regis. And in the men, I'm also going to go with the number one seed of Colorado Mesa because they were one of the teams I did not even think about even being at, you know, in the top two um, at the start of the season, and they, they've really impressed me, and I, I think they could definitely win it too. So, But it, for your Black Hill State and Fort Lewis pick, Fort Lewis and Black Hill State, if they win both their games in the first round, they're going to play each other in the semifinals. So is, someone's going home after that. It's going to be great games. I mean, mm -hmm. these are the top four teams in the RMAC. Well, top five, really, with Shadron State in there, but they're going to be maybe eliminated, or one of those two teams are really high-quality teams. And I think that you're going to see some really quality basketball in the first round, and then yeah. it even steps up as you go forward. Yeah, you look at the, you look at their overall records. Like I mentioned earlier during dinner, I think the top four teams are 107 and 15 or something like that. 25-3, 24-4, 24-4. Well, the three, 24. I mean, that's darn good. Yep, no question about it. Well, there you have it. We've laid it out for you, so there's no need to look for the scores. You already no. know who are going to. They probably shouldn't win. even have to play. They just we we wrote the script already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's been fun all season, yes. starting with football and heading right through basketball season. The happiest guy in the whole room tonight is Josh. He won't have to produce this again for, <laughs> for several months. And uh, so one final time, thank you, Adam. Richard, it's been joy to yep. work with you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And let's see if we can't get our contract negotiations forwarded to next year and uh, see if we can't come back. This is Tom Rudabush. Thank you for joining us from Murphy's Pub and Grill in downtown Rapid City here on News Radio KOTA. Good night.